0: The Lord be with you, and also with you. Lift up your hearts, we lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west, the cool of the north touches the calm of the south, the transcendent power of God touches earth in the humility of love. Here and now, where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather for worship gathered as those present here at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, gathered as those listening at National Public Radio WBUR 90.9 FM across New England, and gathered as our internet congregation around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome you to this service of worship. This is, at Boston University, our baccalaureate service on Commencement Sunday. And we are honored and proud to have those who are guests and leadership for this service today. We gather to worship God together. We invite your prayerful and written responses, your presence for us on Sunday morning, and as you are able, your support for the ministry of Marsh Chapel now and into the future. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
1: Let us pray. Lord, we come together this morning to worship you and to seek your blessing upon us. You, who are the God of all goodness and truth, look kindly upon us, your people gathered here today. We come with joy to thank you for the abundant gifts you have poured out upon our graduates. We celebrate with them their accomplishments and achievements and share with them, their families, friends, administration, faculty, and staff of this university, the hopes and dreams of futures bright with promise. Lord, all good things begin in you and continue with your help. So we ask you to grace us with open minds and receptive hearts to hear your word this morning and to act upon what we hear with earnestness and love. All glory and praise to you forever and ever. Amen.
2: A lesson from the Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 7, verses 15 to 22. May God grant me to speak with judgment and to have thoughts worthy of what I have received. For he is the guide, even of wisdom, and the corrector of the wise. For both we and our words are in his hand, as are all understanding and skill in crafts. For it is he who gave me unerring knowledge of what exists to know the structure of the world and the activity of the elements, the beginning and the end and the middle of times, the alternations of the solstices and the changes of the seasons, the cycle of the year and the constellations of the stars, The natures of animals and the tempers of wild animals, the powers of spirits and the thoughts of human beings, the varieties of plants and the virtues of roots. I learned both what is secret and what is manifest. For wisdom, the fashioner of all things, taught me the word of the Lord.
3: A lesson from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and you give glory to your Father in heaven. The Word of the Lord.
0: In this high and holy moment, we pause to honor among us our graduates of the Class of 2009 and their parents and friends who have brought them thus far along the way. We are grateful for the presence, voice, and leadership today of our President, Dr. Robert A. Brown, of our Provost, Dr. David K. Campbell, of Father Paul Helfrich, of Brother Larry Whitney, of our choir and musicians, and especially today, the presence and voice and leadership of our guest speaker. She is a leader. She connects with the history of Boston University as symbolized in our windows in the southwest corner of the nave, you will see, or those listening by the mind's eye, you will see The image of Frances Willard, who in the 19th century combined learning and virtue and piety, her religious fervor, with a commitment to public good and especially public health. Many years ago, many decades ago, a frail saint said to me, he was trying to teach me something, Bob, you need to find a a pastor who is a doctor and you need to find a doctor who is a pastor. And many trails and trials later washed up on the shore of the River Charles here in Boston, we have one such. Welcome to our guest. Let me remind you of who she is in your midst. The Reverend Gloria E. White Hammond, MD, has been a pediatrician at the South End Community Health Center since 1981, and the co-pastor of Bethel AME Church in Boston since 1997. In addition to her work as a physician and pastor, she is engaged in community service and humanitarian efforts that have local and global impact. She has worked as a medical missionary in several African countries, and since 2001, has traveled regularly into war-torn southern Sudan, where she has helped obtain freedom for some 10,000 women and children who were enslaved during that country's long civil war. In 2002, she co-founded My Sister's Keeper, a humanitarian group that helps Sudanese women rebuild their communities and foster reconciliation. In 2005, she traveled into Darfur in western Sudan to meet with survivors of genocide living in displaced persons camps. And in Boston, she founded Do The Right Thing, spelled W-R-I-T-E, a mentoring program for at-risk black adolescent females. The project began in 1994 with four girls and now serves 550 young women at sites in public schools, juvenile detention facilities, and at Bethel AME Church. She also is co-founder of the Red Tent Group, which brings together Christian and Jewish women for Torah and Bible study. The Reverend White Hammond is a trustee of Brigham and Women's Hospital, a member of the Board of Advisors at the Tufts University Tisch College of Citizenship and Public Service, and she serves on the board of the Zurich-based Christian Solidarity International. She earned a bachelor's degree in biology at Boston University, her medical degree from Tufts University, and a Master of Divinity from Harvard Divinity School. Her husband, the Reverend Ray Hammond is also a physician and a minister. With all this before her, it is a marvel, it is a miracle that she had time and energy to come to be with us. We are honored for her presence. Will you please please greet the Reverend Gloria E. Whiteham?
4: Thank you very
5: much.
4: Thank you. Thank you to the mighty matchless class of 2009 of our beloved Boston University. Thank you for receiving me so graciously, certainly want to express my appreciation to your families for the sacrifices of love that you've made over these years. For some of you, you have written that final check and you're about to get a major stimulus package. (laughs) I certainly want to thank President Brown and Dean Hill, the faculty, staff, and trustees of this uh, great university. I'm especially grateful to have present today my classmate from Once Upon a Time, Dolores Johnson Mitchell. And uh, my godchildren, uh, Victoria and Cyrus, and his new wife, Marquita. And I'm delighted if you will allow me to accept my uh, to express my appreciation to my family who is also here today. They have formed the wind beneath my wings. Um, our daughter Mariama and her husband, my son-in-law Ron, and my daughter Adia, and my granddaughter Ella Bella Boo. And certainly my husband, who uh, is actually 10 years ago also delivered the baccalaureate sermon here uh, for some 35 years, 11 months, and about uh, two hours. Um, he, has, uh, been, um, he has been my honey bun. After all those years, he still takes my breath away. <laughs> Uh, as um, uh, what this, I often have the privilege of doing commencement speeches, but I will tell you that this one was particularly hard. Um, many of you will graduate into a world where, which is experiencing the worst unemployment rate in generations, and whilst most of you should be making your way into the real world, some of you, will in fact, will be going home to live with your parents. Oh my goodness. And so there is a word from the Lord and it is found in the uh, book of Hebrews in the 10th chapter and I shall read it briefly but recall those earlier days when after you had been enlightened you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to abuse and persecution and sometimes you were partners with those who were so treated. Therefore do not abandon your confidence. It brings a great reward, for you need endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what God has promised. For my righteous ones will live with faith, and my soul takes no pleasure in anyone who shrinks back. And the writer concludes, but we are not among those who shrink back and are so lost, but among those who have faith and so are saved. And I'm going to ask that you would reflect with me this morning on the uh, mantra, just do it. Today this theme is most often identified with, um, with Nike athletic gear, but I submit that long before Nike uh, was, a, uh, was even in the eye of the founder, that uh, this book word was recorded in the, on the pages of the Handbook of Motherhood. And it's comprised of all those tried and true statements that you promised you would never make when you grew up and had children of your own. My personal favorite is, I brought you into this world, and I can show enough take you. <laughs> Just do it as one of those statements, but your mother will testify, I'm sure if there are any mothers in the house today, that every now and then your children will cause you to go there. And after asking them repeatedly to do something, the best and brightest hopes for the world's tomorrow become the inarticulate pains for your today. And after enduring a litany of excuses, you find your mother's words blaring from your mouth to your child, no ifs, no ands, no buts, just do it. Surely this logo summarizes this text in the book of Hebrews, which was written to a group of Christians, early Christians, who endured great persecution for the sake of the gospel. And at this point in the text, they're beginning to experience another wave of persecution and are beginning to consider whether, in fact, to give up the faith. And so the writer issues the poignant challenge, remember where you've come from and what God has brought you through how God made a way out of no way. You need to persevere so that when you've done the thing that God has called you to do, you will receive what God has promised. No ifs, no ands, no buts, just do it. As you seek to discern your next steps during this really difficult season of challenge for so many of us, allow me to suggest three steps. Step up with courage. Step out with faith and step forward with determination. You must step up with courage. Just do it. For the past eight years, I've devoted much of my time on behalf of the great people of Sudan, victims of genocide not only in Darfur, but also in South Sudan and even in Central Sudan, all of which were facilitated by the current president, Omar Bashir, for whom the International Criminal Court has now issued an arrest warrant for crimes against humanity. My earliest trips into South Sudan were, in fact, filled with fear. Not because of the fear of the external dangers of traveling into a live war zone, but actually because of the fears that loomed within me large. I had an overwhelming sense of inadequacy. One day during my second trip was a particularly terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. I encountered an 11-year-old cow herder whose master had rendered his face utterly grotesque. The boy had lost a cow and the master took an ax and chopped off the boy's nose. That night as I lay in the loneliness of my tent, tossing and turning, crying, and yes, indeed, crying out, God, get me out of here. I don't have what it takes to confront the profound crisis called Sudan. Father, let this cup pass from me. And God began to minister to me in the midst of my inadequacy, and God said that I was in the place that I needed to be. It did not feel like a good place, but it was a God place. And like my grandmama said, if you have never been in a God place, just keep on living. A God place is when you hit a wall and you have to decide whether you're going to succumb to fear or step up with courage. The God place. It's the place where many of us begin to experience the truth of what Mother Teresa reflected, a version of it saying that most of us don't realize that God is all we need until God is all we have. And so on that dark night in war-torn Sudan, God reminded me that I, little old me, was an answer to the prayers of generations of sheroes and heroes of faith who confronted even greater challenges with courage and then sacrificed their blood and their sweat and tears so that I could be positioned to effect change. And so I wonder, even now, for those of you who are facing the challenges of this new economy, whether or not this could be your God place. Whether it happens now or later, be reminded of this text, that we don't come from people who got overwhelmed and shrunk back in the midst of dire circumstances. You are here, and I am here, because they believed in an awesome God that who could save them would then encourage them to step up and overcome, just do it. And so not only must we step up with courage, we must also step out on faith. But I'm talking about a very special kind of faith. I'm talking about the faith of a little kid. As you've heard, for some 27 years, I've had the privilege of practicing as a pediatrician, and I'm convinced that just as there there are no, there are very few atheists in the foxhole, there are also no atheists in the sandbox or in the teeter-totter. In my second year of residency, I met a five-year-old girl named Elizabeth from Maine. She had developed one of the worst forms of leukemia for which we could not provide a cure, but only by time. And uh, it was the case that as often as she came for hospitalizations, we became best buddies, but her treatment 30 years ago was so much worse than the disease itself. One morning, Elizabeth's mother greeted us while we were making rounds and said that she had wrestled throughout the night with the sense that she could no longer endure having Elizabeth go through such pain. That same morning, Elizabeth woke up independently and said, Mommy, I don't want any more needles. And so the two of them agreed together that they would return to their beloved Maine. Several months later, while walking the oncology ward, I heard singing coming from one of the rooms, an unusual occurrence on that floor. I peeked in to discover Elizabeth, five-year-old Elizabeth. With a party hat, there were balloons and cake and ice cream they were having a party. She explained to me that the reason they were having a party was because she had been praying. And she paused to ask me if I knew what it meant to pray. She said, praying is when you talk to God, and this is what's so profound. She said, and God talks back to you. And God had told her that she was going to go to heaven, she was going to see her grandmother, and she wouldn't be sick anymore. And because Elizabeth believed God, the party was on. Today seated in my study is a black Raggedy Ann doll. Before Elizabeth uh, died, she found a black Raggedy Ann doll that she named Elizabeth and she made out a will and willed Elizabeth, to Dr. Gloria, to me. And now Dr. Gloria, that black Raggedy Ann doll, sits in my favorite chair and reminds me that in this life, we will have difficult challenges both personally and professionally. And when we do, God never leaves us, God never forsakes us. We must step out with the faith of a little kid. Just do it. And then finally, we must step forward with determination. Because to be perfectly honest, sometimes the work does become wearying and that's when God sends an angel, in my case, a little child, to remind me to step forward with determination. A few years ago, I came to the end of a rather frustrating day. I began the morning by identifying once again that one of my brittle asthmatics was hospitalized at Children's Hospital in the ICU. His asthma was complicated by the fact that he lived in a third-floor walk-up that was both roach and rat infested, tried to look for alternate housing still with no success. I began the afternoon by identifying a little girl who had been sexually abused. As I was looking for referral sources to refer her and her family to for counseling, I was told that the waiting lists were long. It would be a while. By the end of the day, I was tired and ready for Scotty to beam me up. I went in to see my last patient, Maria, a 12-year-old who had recently immigrated from Guatemala, and I learned over the years to understand how well kids are adjusting by simply speaking English, but Maria refused to speak. Her mom said that she was muy timida, so I allowed her to go behind the curtain so that she could get undressed for my exam. and Her mom and I continued to talk. Her mom was a pastora, oh, I'm a pastora too. And the doctor, yes. And then she was amazed, she said, and you're married, yes, children too. Okay, bueno. But then I began to whine about how hard it is to help people these days and don't nobody wanna help you help anybody. When all of a sudden the curtain flew back and there was Elizabeth, now she is, there was Maria, now she's dressed in her blue paper gown. And she pointed her finger at me and bobbed her head and said in letter perfect English, you go girl. And I think in any language that sounds like profound wisdom for graduates who are determined to persevere. You go, class of 2009 of Boston University, just do it. Walk in your destiny, step up with courage, step out on faith, step forward in determination, and just do it. Clip the ifs, can the ands, kick all of the butts, and just do it. Thank you.
3: Let us assume an attitude of prayer. Creator God, who makes the world and us in it, we give you praise for your glory, shining forth from what you have made. We give you thanks that you give us eyes to see your glory throughout your creation, that on this day especially we may see your glory in the graduates of this great university. Your glory is manifest in those who would become doctors and lawyers, business people and artists, engineers and journalists, prophets, priests, and civic officials. We come before you to confess that it is not our own work that has brought us to this day, but the work of your glory in us. For it is you who have called us to participate in the partnership of the gospel, the good news that the work of creation continues in those who would take up their lives in love and service to the world. We ask that your glory permeate our hearts and minds that we may live into our vocations in humility and grace. God of order, who establishes the very possibility of knowledge, we praise you for your wisdom revealed to us in encounter with true persons. We thank you for the gift of reason, embodied in the hearts and minds of persons that we may participate in the spirit of inquiry, in formal study in the university, and in our daily lives of work and leisure. Your wisdom is manifest in professors and administrators, police and counselors, facilities crews and support staff, the deans, the provost, and the president. We confess that our own wisdom is folly, and that true wisdom belongs to you. All truth is your truth. Grant that we may continue to be inquirers all the days of our lives, that we may live in the spirit of truth, in the pursuit of wisdom and insight, and in the grace of knowledge and understanding. God of love, who draws all things into relationship, we give you praise for your power, bringing each together into community. We thank you for the gift of faith, the capacity for trusting relationships one with another, that we may not be alone, but part of a great congregation seeking justice and peace in a world of suffering and pain. Your power is witnessed, in resident assistants and student affairs staff, chaplains and campus ministers, athletic teams and musical ensembles, the city of Boston, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, the United States of America, and throughout the world. We confess that our relationships are broken and that only you have the power to heal. Sustain us with the power of your spirit that we may remain connected one with another, with our schools and colleges, and with the communion of saints at Boston University. Amen.
0: blessing and a word of benediction. O Lord, support us all the day long of this troublous life until the shadows lengthen and the evening comes and the busy world is hushed and the fever of life is over and our work is done. Then in thy mercy, we pray, grant us a safe rest, a happy lodging and peace at the last. Beloved, may the sun show warm and bright on you, your darkest night, the stars shine through, your dullest morn, a radiance brew, and when dusk comes, God's hand to you. Amen.
5: thank you